Hello, hello. My name is Samantha and welcome to Moms with Benefits. I am so delighted to introduce Shelby George today, our guest. Shelby is first and foremost a working mom. She has a son named Sam who is 16 years old. Shelby's professional background includes life as a tech CEO, an ERISA attorney, a communications professor, and a financial coach. So very, very excited to get her expertise here today on the parental leave landscape and what it's going to look like in 2024. So before we dig into that topic, Shelby, for those that may not know, I do want to ask you to give us some clarity on what does an ERISA attorney specialize in? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, cannot wait to talk to everyone about parental bonding leave. An ERISA attorney is uh, something that I didn't even know about when I went to law school, um, but I have since learned uh, that it's a focus on employee benefits. And so uh, by that, we mean primarily insurance benefits, but also savings vehicles too. So People are usually familiar with um, retirement savings like a 401k plan or a 403b plan or health insurance that's offered through your employer, even life insurance, uh, different types of benefits. So the common denominator there, as long as they are offered um, or sponsored, we say, through your employer, then there's a good chance that they could be subject to a federal piece of legislation called ERISA, which was passed back in the 70s, and lays out some requirements that employers have to follow uh, in order to offer these types of benefits to their employees, as well as some things that employees have to follow in order to reap some of the benefits, usually that are tax related. That's super helpful. And it feels like it makes more sense, you know, when somebody hears ERISA attorney and then tech CEO, the connection between those two doesn't come naturally, but when you explain the background of an ERISA attorney and then what I know of Perky, the company that you're now the CEO for, this makes a lot of sense. And so ERISA attorney by education and, and practice earlier in your career, and you've since evolved into again, your current role as a CEO of Perky, which is an insure tech company. And it's this is the focus of our conversation today that Perky has launched this parental leave resource at perkyleave.com. So I am just so excited. So many questions for you about the parental leave landscape and what it's going to look like for 2024. Also, how the heck we got here. And to really kick this off before I ask you a question, I want to personally say I have an eight month old at home. And so I just went through this experience of learning I was expecting, trying to figure out how much time I was able to take from my employer from the state uh, was did I want to take the full time? Could I go back intermittently? Um, was my job going to be protected? Was I going to get paid fully? Like it was a mess, to be frank. It was a puzzle and frustrating and honestly, sometimes annoying. And it feels like we could just do better. And so part of me wants to start off this conversation with why, like, why is it so confusing? Why is it set up like that? It doesn't feel like it's, it's set up for, I would say us in mind. Yeah, it, it definitely now, especially when you compare it to when I took maternity leave 16 years ago, um, it is a hot mess now. And 
that is for a very good reason that there are a lot more protections and benefits available to uh, both birthing and non-birthing parents now, which is a great thing. People have more choice, more access uh, to protections than ever before. And so by most standards, that is beneficial. The difficulty, though, is that it does add to the confusion because there's no standardization and there's a lot of variability. And so typically what we're talking about here, most of the protections are coming from the state government where an individual lives and works, as well as the employer, as well as some federal protections. And so the interplay between all three of those areas uh, mean that it looks very, very different for each individual. And um, some of them overlap and uh, happen at the same time, and some of them supersede others. And because it comes back to individual circumstances, a lot of times it's very difficult to access information that's relevant to your specific circumstances. And so, you know, at a highest level, I think that's why it's so confusing. And Perky, as well as so many others, are really uh, taking a stab at helping clarify and provide understanding because this is such an important time in someone's life. I mean, to be so, uh, have so much emotion around being a new parent or having a new child in the home, uh, the last thing that you should have to focus on is what, what benefits you have to choose. Yeah, that makes sense. So we have really what I heard is three areas of governance or of uh, regulation, if you will. So there's the federal mandate of what I understand is FMLA, 12 weeks, job protection, and that is unpaid. And there's eligibility requirements there of having to be at an employer of 50 or more people. I believe you're nodding your head. Yep. Okay. So I did my did my homework there. And then you have the uh, two other areas where there is state mandates and then there's employer packages. So it feels like a lot of the confusion can arise between the state and employer guidelines and like how they work together or which one trumps the other one or supersedes the other one. Is that right? Am I thinking about that right? You are. Um, and as if it's not crazy enough, you know, there is a fourth category of people can have individual policies that um, they've kind of collected um, or selected on their own. And so that is in addition to the other type of protections. But I would agree uh, that typically most of the confusion for a working adult who is expecting, it's confusion between what is offered through their employer and then what is offered through the state. And there's really three different protections that may or may not be available depending on a lot of different circumstances. So you have what we call income protection, that's the paid versus unpaid. Majority of the paid, it's partially paid too. Um, so there's that wrinkle. In addition to income protection, you have benefits protection, which means that you can still have health insurance primarily, even though you may be out of work for a time. And then the third is job protection. And so that is allowing you, whether it's paid or unpaid, to take time away from work 
but you also have the protection of coming back uh, within a certain time frame. And so those three protections, while they're kind of conflated a lot of times in parental leave conversations, it's important to think about them separately um, because that helps also kind of in the understanding of what protections are provided through either the state or the employer or, or federal or otherwise. That makes sense. And then it also ties back to your earlier statements of every situation is so unique. And I would imagine that, you know, from my personal experience, I wanted to prioritize time off versus pay because I was I was you know, fortunate enough to be in that scenario where I could take more time off. So I would imagine that when other individuals are thinking through what they have available to them, the different types of protections need to be incorporated into their decision making. That's right, because typically there's always a choice for the individual to make. The number of choices that they have to make are often determined by the things that we've talked about, like are they eligible for benefits through their employer or through the state or federal protections? And so uh, it's kind of a multi-step process of first, an individual needs to know what they have available by way of protections. Then the individual needs to understand what are the trade-offs of those different protections so that they are informed and can evaluate for their own circumstances, what are the protections that they want to take advantage of versus those that are lesser important and they want to perhaps save for later income being one of those. So as you mentioned, if income replacement is highest priority, that may require sacrificing some of the time off that would be available. Some individuals may decide that that's appropriate for their own circumstances, but certainly not everyone would make that same choice. Gotcha. That makes sense. So I love that you kind of put it into two phases of one, what's available to you. And when we talk about eligibility and whether you're eligible through your employer, your state, FMLA, that falls under the what do you have access to? And then part two is, okay, what are the trade-offs of these and how is that going to impact the decision that I want to make for my leave plan? So you have these three areas. That makes sense now. I also know from my personal experience, because I was the birthing mother, I had access to, in my case, six weeks of disability. So how does disability then factor into everything you just talked about? Yeah, yet another area of complexity and only applies typically to birthing mothers in this scenario. Um, and the idea is to replace your income for a period of time while you medically recover uh, from this event. And so, you know, a lot of different options potentially for an individual, sometimes depending on your state, there are state disability protections uh, you know, in New York, it is not a lot of money. So fantastic that there is some sort of protection there. Uh, but as someone who is dependent on income replacement, you know, it's not going to be full replacement of your income versus other policies, uh, most likely that you get through your employer. And they're typically called short term disability policies. 
pay a much higher amount, typically 60 to 80% of your income. And so those can, uh, again, depending on your individual circumstances, those can be a great way to provide both income protection and extend some of your time off uh, in order to recover, but also to enjoy uh, your new bundle of joy. Gotcha. That makes sense. Thank you for that, that clarity. And then I'm going to guess that the disability can interact with the state mandates differently? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, this is where it gets so confusing. Um, so in, in states like New York, you have to take paid family leave and disability are separate and they cannot run at the same time. Um, however, that's not true in all states or with all policies. And so understanding what benefits are do you as an individual have access to needs to have kind of multiple components of not only what, I'm, what am I enrolled in, but what can I take at the same time versus what can I stack? We call it stack on top of each other so that you can have income replacement for a longer period of time or duration. Gotcha. And so is another trend that remote work has complicated the matter further for employers because they have employees working in various locations from home. And so does that affect like what employees are eligible for? And does that create more onus on HR to be able to understand these different rules. Like I would imagine in this post COVID world with remote work and even hybrid policies, like that's just only adding yet another layer of confusion to what is we've already established a very, very confusing puzzle. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and the thing that I that I try to remember, um, human resources professionals, uh, like they deserve a lot of empathy and support because they have so much on their shoulders trying to administer that. In the same vein, individuals require empathy and support on this as well. It's super confusing. So you take the example that you gave of remote workers, and there's two examples that are most common in the workforce. This, uh, of course, are not the only examples, but just to throw two out. So you have people uh, perhaps in a sales capacity where they're traveling all the time throughout their region. They don't really have a specific work location because they're not going into an office in the state of New York every day, let's say. And so the question becomes, where is that person working, actually? What state are they working in? Because do they have access to a state family leave policy or do they not? And typically an employer has some flexibility on what rules they want to apply to that situation, but it's incredibly complex. So usually, it's um, easiest to determine, look at your pay stub, where is it that as an individual you are paying payroll taxes, state payroll taxes? That's the state to look at for a state mandate. The second example is someone who, um, you take a, a major metropolitan area or someone who lives on a border, New Jersey, New York in my neck of the woods is kind of the most common example of you have someone who uh, takes the train in to work in New York every day, but actually lives in New Jersey. And they work, you know, primarily from their home office, but they report to 
their uh, boss who works in the New York office. The legal term that we love to use is a facts and circumstances test, right? Which means that it's completely individualized to the unique circumstances of that one individual. And so it's important for the employer to apply that pretty systematically across their employee base, but that doesn't always help the individual understand what they actually have access to. And so all of that is to say that this is a rapidly evolving area, not only in terms of legislation, which I'm sure we'll get to eventually and how that is changing almost daily, but also as work habits um, and digital practices change, it becomes an area where it's really important to be innovative and stay ahead to best determine what is helpful uh, to people who need to understand what they have access to and make really important decisions at this very important time of their life. I love that you keep bringing it back to it's people and it's people having new people to take care of. And so it's a it's a people human issue at its core. And so that's that just makes my heart warm a little bit. So let's transition to the 2024 landscape. And you mentioned it briefly already of there's a legislative update there or what it sounds like it's just always evolving. And then I think, you know, in the world that I live in, in the postpartum world, I see a lot of social movement happening too for demands for additional paid leave policies, either through employers or a federal mandate. And there, it feels like it's more socially accepting and encouraged even to have dads stay at home more. So it just feels like as a society, we're evolving our expectations maybe is the best word of how we want this experience to look like for new parents or for those welcoming a new child into their home. So from your perspective, what does the landscape look like in 2024? Uh, It's confusing and it's rapidly evolving. Um, Those are kind of the two themes that I think I always come back to. So between the time that we're recording this and when it's actually published, I'm sure these numbers will be wrong. So as it stands right now, Uh, We have 13 states, depending on how you count, plus the District of Columbia, who have passed or in various stages of implementation for paid family provisions for individuals in their state. And more are being added literally almost daily. And, you know, I think that goes to show not only how complex it is, but that this is, you know, there's broad-based public support for policies like paid time off and family leave. It is a important public and social issue. And because there's broad-based support, more and more states are passing different iterations of policies to try to help in that regard. That's the good news. I think the bad news is that it's still a very politicized and often partisan issue when it comes to the specific legislation. And so conversations about is a federal paid leave mandate going to be passed or, you know, red state, blue state conversations, um, those can get very difficult. And I think for us, they really it, it really misses the point. I mean, that partisan viewpoint is there, but I think much more importantly, as the protections that are available to individuals evolve so rapidly, 
there needs to be more resources to help individuals determine what do they have access to and what are the trade-offs that are most important for their individual circumstances. And so what I think that means, at least uh, Perky's philosophy of what that means in terms of digital tools, are they need to be interactive and they need to be personalized because just the kind of the standard stock language that's on so many state websites or employer websites, really good information, but can be very time consuming for an individual to then interpret that, what that means for their individual circumstances. And so the only option that remains is for that individual to usually talk to someone in human resources, which may or may not be readily available depending on the organization that you're working with. And that may or may not be appropriate depending on the individual's appetite for sharing news externally yet. And so there's really, I think, a need for digital tools that can be accessed anonymously 24-7 that have that kind of interactive component to really help people demystify what they have access to and what makes the most sense for them as an individual. That makes a lot of sense. And I love that Perky's approach is to be interactive, personalized, and also really respects the importance and preference even of anonymous access. So Perky's approach at tackling these problems feels like I, I wish it was existing eight months ago when I had my firstborn. So part of me is jealous, but part of me is like, I want to shout this from the rooftops. Is this free to anybody? It's I know I said it before, it's perkyleave.com. So anybody can just go in and see what they're eligible for and see what, you know, we talked about those two layers, right? So decision number one, what's available to them? And de decision number two, what are the trade-offs of those? Is, is that how Perky is is set up to support the individual? Yeah, that's right. It's super exciting for us. I mean, this was a, a relatively newly launched initiative. We thought it really important that it be accessible to everybody in every state, completely free of charge, with the goal of helping demystify what someone has access to. It is such an individualized assessment that our goal is to get Part of the way there, there are variables that we don't address. And so the Perky Leave experience, we've designed it, at least we hope that we've designed it to be an initial step for someone who is wanting to just get the lay of the land. Like, where am I located? How long have I worked with a particular organization? In order to start honing in on what are the issues or the questions that the individual needs to follow up with someone. Typically, that person that you're going to be following up with when you determine the time is right is someone in, in your organization and human resources. So our goal is that as an individual, you can feel so much more confident that you're making the best use of your time. You don't have to plow through documents. You can feel confident that you have good, accurate, up-to-date information that will help give you almost a roadmap for the conversation that you need to have with others at your organization or even with a co-parent if you have one about, you know, how are you going to split your time off? What is most important for your circumstances? Is it making sure that you have as much income replacement as possible? 
Or are you splitting caregiving and, and wanting to each have time away from work? So as you're thinking through those types of considerations, our hope is that this is a helpful tool to, to not only save you time and build you confidence, but kind of move you to the more tactical steps of making decisions. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's a standout to me that it's a centralized place for anybody to go in the U.S. That's incredible, given the complexity that we walked through in the beginning of this call of all the different states and all the different again, complexity that goes into this. It's incredible that there's just one website instead of 50 state websites that I could go to, you know, as an individual, but honestly, in my mind, I'm thinking about HR professionals and some, some folks have the job of trying to stay up with all of these changes. And for that, I'm sure they're going to each individual state sites and doing their own Google research. And so to have another resource that this information is centralized and then also personalized to the individual. It just seems so exciting and just a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting time to be at Perky. Um, you know, we have this mission to really make the information accessible to everyone. We also understand, though, that the overlay of what's available through your employer and your organization and being specific or tailored to that is important, too. And so separately, we do offer a version of this digital experience to employers so that they can tailor it for their employees specifically. We see that as being a need in the market as well. So both are available and both, I think, are really aligned with Perky's vision to help people better understand how to build their financial security using benefits that they have access to, either through employers or other avenues like the individual market. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective that you connect benefits and financial security. It makes so much sense, but oftentimes I think in individuals' minds, they're separate. It feels like financial security is budgeting and a financial advisor and benefits is like insurance and I feel annoyed and ripped off and in reality, they are so connected. And so it's almost like, what benefits do you have available to you? And how do you take advantage of them? I don't know if that's the right word, but how do you know them, know your options and make the most out of them because they can really, really directly correlate to your financial security? Yeah, I think you 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 nailed it. It's a it's a great word. I love the phrase financial security because it's so all encompassing. Uh, you know, it budgeting is a key component, but so is financial protection um, and other types of benefits or savings tools in order for someone to really have the confidence that they're financially secure and that they can provide for their growing family, we need to address all of these topics and we need to do it in a way that is individualized and specific to that person because everyone's goals are unique, you know, and what what person A needs versus person B, those are totally different. And so the uh, resources, the guidance that should be available should be able to accommodate those unique circumstances. Well, thank you so much, Shelby, for all of your insight. It is truly so valuable. It makes a lot more sense to me 
understanding how the systems are set up and structurally how we got here is super helpful. And then to learn that a tool like perkyleave.com exists, I can't wait to tell all my expecting mama friends about this. So thank you for that. Before we end today, I can't help myself but ask you about your journey as a working mom. And so I know we're almost up on time here, but I just love anything you want to share about being a working mom and maybe how that can connect to the inspiration for Perky Leave. Yeah, you know, it's been a while uh, since I took maternity leave. Um, and at the time, you know, 16 years ago, uh, I was married. We were living in the state of Tennessee. And I took time off. I took disability. But honestly, I went out, I went back to work as soon as I possibly could. Uh, and my husband, uh, who was re working in the hospitality industry at the time, didn't take any time off. And, uh, you know, on the one hand, I feel like we didn't have access. That wasn't an option for us. I also feel like that was that was right for us at the time. And so, you know, working through my own personal experience um, and now working with coworkers who have taken time off and come back to work and, and with a kind of a new rejuvenation and joy. The, the real takeaway to me is that this is such an individual journey. Everybody is different. And so I believe that the more digital tools that we can bring to really help people build their confidence and really love and own their individual journey and feeling like it, every step of it is a step of kind of building their um, work life, but also building their financial security in the way that feels right to them. That's something that I'd love for Perky to be a part of. And if we can even make a small contribution to helping individuals do that in the United States, I can sleep really well at night. Your passion is so evident. And again, I can't thank you enough for joining us here today at Moms with Benefits. So thank you again, Shelby. Thank you so much for having me. And for anybody who wants to check out Perky's new resource, it is perkyleave.com. Moms with Benefits is on a mission to empower moms for the financial impact of motherhood. If you're a mom willing and even excited about sharing your journey and challenges with other moms, we'd love to have you apply to be a guest on our podcast. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at momswithbenefits.org, and our application is linked right in our bio. P.S. We see you, Mama. You're working hard today, and you are doing great.